Hi, you're welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Porik, good morning to you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. Very welcome and good to have you with us today. Uh, uh, now, what are we talking about? Where are we starting? I'd say everybody has been in the garden all people week, have they? People have been in the garden, definitely. And, and I suppose I've been, I've been telling listeners that there's nowhere, nowhere safer to be than in your garden. And it's lovely to get out, particularly in the dry weather. Temperatures have, have been quite cold uh, during the week. We have had a little bit of frost at night time. And growth has actually been quite slow over the week. I'd say that we'd have, have minimal growth since I was chatting to you last Saturday. But the milder temperatures are coming in, as you said, and next week is promised relatively dry. So it's it's an ideal time to get out and I suppose catch up on a lot of those uh, jobs that we can do in the garden at the moment. Now, I suppose this time last week when we were talking, uh, I suppose the more uh, severe restrictions had just come into play, which was affecting garden centres generally. Yeah. Um, so how has the week been in terms of, because uh, there has been an online offering, I think, yeah. Lots of instances. We haven't seen a customer all week. <laughs> probably never had and a I was just, week. just saying to my team, you know, we, we're getting through so much work in in the uh, in the online on the online side. So right across the country, people have been ordering items. So garden centres throughout the country are have been asked to close to the public. However, the, the government have asked us to stay uh, and offer an online service because they see gardening as one of those essential activities that people should be doing and it's a way of keeping people at home if they're out in their garden and they're busy working on projects. So garden centres right throughout the country, not just Horkins, are offering an online service. So it's strictly online. People go onto the website horkins.ie and they can make their purchases or whatever and they're deliver then to their home by DPD couriers. So they'll leave the box outside the door and um, it generally takes four to five working days, Deirdre, because there have been so many orders and so so many people um, ordering uh, products online. So that's the way it's working right throughout the country. So garden centres are closed to the customers. We will not be opening for the foreseeable future if the government permits that and I can't see that for at least another probably fortnight. Um, So if you need your garden supplies, go online would be my advice and be bit patient because garden centres throughout the country are inundated with uh, orders and DPT couriers are, they're fantastic to do a fabulous service right throughout the and they'll deliver anywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. So I have people ringing me from or or ordering online from Dublin for their parents maybe in Mayo. So they're actually buying them giving them something to do at home and making sure they're staying at home. So we're seeing a lot of that sort of activity but I would say to people if they are ordering online on any of the platforms just be a little bit patient because it is they don't deliver on Saturdays and Sundays right. and they deliver Monday to Friday but there is there is a backlog in, in with just with the volume of orders. So that's that's the way it's going to be at the moment. Um, on my own website we have a limited amount of seed available at the moment because just the orders have been so immense. So mm. uh, as we're going to Tuesday of next week, there'll be a lot more seed available as, as supplies come back in. Seed potatoes are still available on the website and, and all the jar- general gardening stuff like um, lawn care products, if you want to get out and do your lawn, feed your lawn and so on. Um, plants we do not send through the through the, through the, through the DPT yeah. service simply because they don't travel very well. Yeah. If the box is turned upside down or whatever, the plants get destroyed. So for that reason, we don't send plants out. So it's really, listeners should be focusing on seeds, on things like onion sets and shallots and seed potatoes. Uh, those sort of things, maybe their lawn, getting the lawn 
done as well, or the items ordered online um, and with direct delivery to the home. But look, at there's lots that can be done. If you can't get your hands on the products, there's lots that you can be doing in your garden. And I was, again, just on the, the drive up, I was admiring a lot of the winter flowering plants, like the lovely Viburnum tinus. It's just going out of flower now. Mm. Um, plants like Viburnum bodnatensis, which flowers through the winter period. Mahonius, which have beautiful yellow flowers at Christmas and are again going out of flower at this time of year. The yellow forsythii, which is in flower everywhere at the moment, yeah. that's going to finish up in the next week or 10 days. And the red flowering uh, ribes, ribes sanguinium, the red currant, all of those winter flowering plants, as they stop flowering, that's the time to prune them back. So my advice is, even if you if you don't have the, the plants to put into the garden or the, the seeds, get out and start tidying up the garden. So the pruning of plants, particularly winter plants, should occur now. And if you've got some fertiliser, maybe rose fer- fertiliser, or a general garden fertiliser, start feeding your plants now because the growth is going to come next week. Summer flowering plants like hydrangeas, again, they should be pruned at this time of year. We mentioned the roses last week, so if people didn't take my advice last week, take it this week and get out and trim the roses and tie them back. Plants like fuchsia should be cut back this time of year. Hypericum, spireas, potentilla. So all those summer flowering plants, tidy them up this time of year, give them a feed, encourage them back into growth. And uh, the growth is going to come this week with the rain tomorrow and the mild temperatures next week and particularly dry weather next week. So it's going to be a great week for gardening. Weed control, I did mention it last week, but do get out if you can with your garden hoe and tidy up the garden because a weed picked now saves a big problem later on in the summer. So now is the time to kind of tidy up and, and get the gardening uh, tidied up. The daffodils are in full flower. The tulips are in fl- full flower. So the, the lovely kind of uh, late spring, early summer bulbs are flowering at the moment. This is the time to feed them. So if you've got some miracle growing in your in your in the in the in the shed or uh, any liquid under feed under the sink, under the sink, tomato feed, any liquid feed or granulated feed, it's a good idea to feed daffodils now because as they go out of flower, the leaves elongate. They get longer and they produce lots of energy for the bulbs to ripen then in the next couple of weeks. So Mm. feeding them now builds them up for the following year. So we're planning ahead by feeding. So the general feeding of plants should occur at this time of year. And again, fertilisers will be available online if people need them. But if you have them at home, now is the time to get them on, particularly with the rain promised tomorrow. It's a superb time to start feeding, but particularly spring bulbs, they'll benefit from that. Again, if you've got seed, any seed in the, in the house, this is the time to, to sow it. Soil conditions have dried up lovely. I mean, uh, the, the, I'm, I'm amazed how quickly the lawns have actually dried up with a bit of cold weather and a bit of frost has actually dried up the soil quite well. Now, I know it's going to rain tomorrow, but, but certainly, yeah, but not, not, certainly not, next week. Too yeah. So if you can work the soil at all, you can direct sow directly out into the garden soil. So things like peas and, and uh, carrot seed and cabbage seed can all be sown out of doors now. And any hardy annuals, the flowering plants like uh, English marry goes candy tuft um, corn flowers are lovely right throughout the summers the eggplant um, so there's lots of flowering plants that you can sow night scented stock one of my favourite plants it can release a beautiful scent at night time that can be sown directly out into the garden soil now English marigolds um, or you can start them off inside uh, with the warm temperatures we have inside uh, and on your windowsill and then plant them out later on. The lawns we talked about last week, so it's really about just getting out, trimming the lawn, tidying it up, applying, getting rid of the moss and giving them a feed in general. Um, 
Slug and snails, I have noticed quite a good amount of them about again with the damp weather this year. So if you are planting young plants, particularly vegetable plants or vegetable seed, keep an eye on the slugs and snails. So little and often, use the organic pellets. That'll control them. Um, so start early rather than kind of leaving it to later. Okay. And um, if you've got any bulbs in the garden, so we chatted about the daftas and tulips, of course, they were planted back in the autumn. This is the time of year for planting summer flowering bulbs. So things like gladioli, dahlias, nerines, scented lilies, all the bulbs that flower through the summer, agapanthus, the lovely blue flowering agapanthus, they're planted at this time of year. And many of them can be planted directly out into the garden soil. Others like dahlias and begonias, you start them indoors, in your greenhouse, in your tunnel, on your windowsill, wherever, and, and get them started. So they're the type of things that people... The, the pruning too of... Um, I mentioned the fruit last week so apple trees are just breaking bud at the moment so this is really the last week if you haven't pruned your apple trees your pear trees your blackcurrants your gooseberries raspberries do it this week if you can okay. and again once we prune you feed as well at the same time and because they're going to be co- coming into growth now and the, the flower buds will be forming as we move into the middle of April so so that's the sort of thing I would be doing kind of tidying up the garden, do the pruning now of hydrangeas and all the summer flowering shrubs, prune the winter plants that are going out of flower. Winter heathers, for example, they're still fantastic at the moment, but over the next couple of weeks, they'll start to go off a little bit. So don't wait till all the flowers are gone. Prune them early. So once the flowers begin to go over, the bit of brown is coming into the flowers, that's the time to shear them back. And that'll be about two to three weeks time. And feed them because as we feed, you encourage new growth and on that growth, they'll flower this time next year. I brought you in a yes. fabulous well, um, cherry plant. And it most certainly is fabulous. Um, and I know we were talking about the Fujian cherry, I think, yes. a couple of weeks back. But yeah. this is a bit different. It is. It? This is yeah. a more upright. Um, this is a more upright. It's in the same family. It's it's a prunus family as well. Um, this is one called Nipophilia, which is a, a beautiful kind of light pink uh, flowering one. The Fujian cherry is is flatter. And a bit more delicate. Now this is also delicate. It's not that there are big uh, kind of uh, bluesomy kind of uh, flowers on it or anything, but it's uh, just a tiny bit more than the, the cherry. It is, and yeah. it flowers, as you can see, it's literally covered profusion in Profusion. And, and, yeah. and, you know, sometimes that word can be used inaccurately, but I think in this yeah. instance, it is a profusion of flowers. There are more flowers on it. There are leaves or, mm. or, or, or uh, even wood. So it's a beautiful dwarf cherry. And I suppose I brought it in because hey, it's, it's, it, it, it kind of it brightens, it brightens my heart to see it anyway and it's a real sign that summer is on the way um, but again cherries are flowering now so we prune our cherries after flowering so in a couple of weeks as this goes out of flower is the time to cut it back that makes it bushier fuller for next year and increases the amount of flower that comes on the plant so it's a great example of a plant that's in flower at the moment that will need a small bit of a trim um, as we you know as we go into kind of the uh, mid or, or late April, a light trimming back that builds it up for next year. So, what what particular kind of cherry have we got again? It's a it's a it's a shrub cherry. It's called Nipophilia. So, Prunus Nipophilia. It's a dwarf variety, very similar to the Fujian cherry. The Fujian cherry is more white. This is more shell pink. Yep. The the flower is a little bit larger, yep. but it's a it's a beautiful garden shrub, really more than a tree, even though it's in the cherry family. And uh, it'll grow to about I suppose five six feet if you oh, let right, it in okay. time. Yeah, and and. 
and some, something similar in diameter, but you can keep it smaller as well. But uh, I thought it was, a, you know, I thought it was a really picture, isn't it? It and is flower. a stunning. Yeah. I mean, it just lifts the heart yeah. when you have a look it at sure it. It sure does. And how long, uh, what's the longevity of well, the flowers fla- there? It's flowering for the last two weeks, so it's going to go on for probably another two to three weeks. So about okay. five weeks in total um, in, in flower. But it just gives that big splash of... It does, and it's something that you kind of need this time of the year. You sure do. Coming, yeah. coming into early summer, yeah. Okay. Um, one or two questions, uh, Park. We'll t- go to a break in a second. But um, just you were talking, I suppose, about the general jobs there and yeah. lawns in particular. And um, Brida has one in from a little bit earlier. Brida's in Kerry this morning. Good morning mm-hmm. to you, Brida. Um, and could we discuss leather jackets and when to spray for them or okay. how do we deal with them? Okay, so leather jackets are, are the larvae of the daddy long legs or the, or the crane fly. So they're, the eggs are laid in August, early September. So they've actually been in the ground right through the winter eating your lawn. So your lawn is probably looking at a, bit, a little bit yellow. And leather jackets are very dis- distinguishable. They're about inch long, rubbery in texture, and they're just beneath the surface of the soil, gnawing on the roots of the plants. The treatment to use, uh, if you want to use a non-pesticide treatment, we use the nematodes in May. So next month, you'll get the nematodes in your local garden centre. There's one specifically for the lawn area for chafter grubs and leather jackets. You simply mix it up in a wa- in washing can or a sprayer. You apply it to the area at that time of year. It's a totally organic way of controlling the uh, leather jackets. And the nematodes are parasitic in that they attack the leather jackets and kill them off and, and they die away. So that's the time to do it. So leave it for at least another. The, the weather has to be warm, dear. So it has to be up around 15 degrees uh, Celsius before the nematodes will actually work. So leave it until next month. Maybe contact us okay. on the programme then. Yeah. I'll tell you when the nematodes are available and that's the time to apply. Yeah. Now in the t- meantime, the listener could be feeding the lawn, encouraging a bit of growth on it, keeping it trimmed, looking after the lawn as you would normally do anyway and put on the nematodes then in May. Okay, and hopefully that will do the that'll, trick. That'll work very well. Now, a uh, listener applied Dicofar on a lawn five de- days ago, wondering when should they apply fertiliser afterwards? They, they hope they didn't put the cart before the horse. Well, look, they've done nothing wrong, but, oh, but my, my advice really in, in tackling your lawn is first of all to trim the lawn um, uh, and, and have the blades up at slightly higher than normal cutting. Then do the zero, the moss control. So that's step one. One because you, you eliminate any moss that is there. Step two is feeding the lawn. So once you use the Zero, put on the Osmo fertiliser. You're doing two things there with the Osmo. You're greening up the lawn without forcing it, but you're also greening up any weeds that are there. And if you leave it then for about a week after that and apply the Dicofar, it works better in that um, the weeds are softer. You have to remember that the weeds have come through the winter. They're tough, they're leathery, they're hardy. Yeah. So if you apply a treatment on them, it's not as effective as if they're soft and supple and actively growing. And as I said, the the the, the, the uh, growing conditions have been quite slow this week. Um, so the weeds are still quite tough. Now, there's nothing wrong in, in the application of the Dicofar, but I think a second application possibly in May. So my advice really in this case is do the z- zero and feed the lawn. Leave it alone for a week or 10 days. Wait right. for everything to green up lovely yeah. and then give a second application of and you just find it a little bit more successful. Okay, great. It's dry weather when you're putting it on. I'm taking carrots out of my garden and I want to plant other veg. Uh, do I have to treat the soil before I plant other veg? Will there be carrot roots left? Oh, interesting that they've left the carrots so late, so long. Like normally you would... That they like, would have been harvested in the autumn. Well, normally you, you would harvest them kind of, uh, you know, no, you can leave them certainly in the ground up to Christmas, but it's interesting that the listener, and, and they do store very well left, left alone, so that's fantastic. Um, so look, 
Uh, that ground is perfect. So you have root crops in it at the moment. So my advice really is to plant something like potatoes or cabbage, something in a, in a different family. So anything in the cabbage family like broccoli, uh, the Brussels sprout, that lovely... Um, the, the, the pixie rose one, the, the petite rose, I should say, was a very good variety. Broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower could all be planted in that area. So avoid things like parsnips or carrots again or radishes in that area and plant something like potatoes. You, all you need to do is really add some fertilizer, some organic fertilizer if you want, and, um, and start to sow. Start, okay. start to plant so there's the the fact that there'll be small bits of roots of carrots left is, is immaterial it won't make any difference at all and that's what's called crop rotation so you, where you grew carrots one year you grow something else peas are a great plant to grow in ground because peas are in the leguminosae family in the pea family and they fix their own nitrogen on their roots so they actually add nitrogen to the soil so they're a great way of they're a great crop to put in if you want to kind of fertilise the soil as well as growing a different crop on the area so peas following carrots would be very good Good, or potatoes following carrots would be very good but put in some fertilizer and well. just dig up the soil get it ready add a little bit of uh, fertilizer something like Q, uh, vitex q4 or super grow granulated fertilizer sprinkle it onto the soil start planting your spuds or your your cabbage seed or whatever into that area Okay. Can I shake borax powder on turnip roots or should I wait until they come up? Well, borax, so boron or borax is is the, um, it adds boron to the soil. So rather than shaking it on the roots of the uh, turnips or suedes, just mix it into the soil. So again, prepare the ridge rake it off before you sow the turnip seed water in the boron so boron is, is like iron or zinc it's a it's a micronutrient that's very important in the development of turnips and suedes and um, so you can mix it up apply it to the soil before sowing the seed and then reapply it once the turnips germinate and when they're about maybe six inches high give it another application and that just gives the the essential boron okay. you're just adding a, fer- a feed really an essential nutrient to the plants that's important in the development of, of um, suedes and turnips. Brilliant. Uh, now, uh, good morning. I sow, I've i sown wildflower seeds last Monday. Will the promised rain tomorrow wash them away? No, 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 no. If anything, it'll wash them into the soil for you, so it's perfectly fine. They generally will take about three weeks to germinate. Um, so the rain tomorrow will be absolutely perfect. And I know we ha- we're promised a couple of heavy bursts, but that, mm. that won't, unless it's on a slope or a bank or it's, it's particularly steep. But if it's flat soil, it's perfectly fine. The seed will be washed in and it'll be perfectly okay. No no different if you were sowing general seed in the garden. Mm. You know, once it's once it's in the soil, it's perfectly fine. It'll germinate. It'll but germinate. it will take, the temperatures have been cold, so um, general seed germination. You'll see it with weeds in the garden. garden. They're beginning to germinate and they're mm. there, but they're not actually physically growing. So same with the seed. It's going to take about three weeks and the temperatures next week are going to be ideal right. for the germination of seed in general. So two to three weeks, you'll see the, the wild it's flower seed begin to germinate and start to grow. Okay, great. And it's not weeds. It's not, it's not weeds. weeds. It's coming. It's 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 wildflower. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I how to start a ca- uh, cabbage seed. I've always had cabbage plants to plant before, which was so handy. But obviously, that's not maybe available at the yeah. minute. So, wondering, can we start them on the windowsill maybe first? Yes, you can, and they're so easy to sow. I mean, a great way to do it would be to get a simple tray or container, a, a margarine container if it, if you want a coffee cup, anything at all. Fill it with compost and um, so have the compost moist, but 
but not too wet. Sow your cabbage seeds and you can sow them quite densely in a tray um, and then cover with cling film. Leave the cling film on, sit it on a bright windowsill and within, I would say, four to five days they'll start to germinate. As soon as you see them peeping through, take off the cling film, allow them to grow on for maybe another fortnight and then plant them out into the garden soil. And do remember that the slugs enjoy them as well. So like I said earlier, put on a little bit of slug uh, treatment. An item to use, actually, and something that, that I learned myself last mm-hmm. year from uh, a great hosta grower was the use of garlic on vegetable plants for slugs and snails. Mm-hmm. So the commercial uh, hosta growers, the people that, you know how slugs love, love hostas, hostas yeah. they use the garlic treatment. Um, so you can mix, make it up yourself. Is that from, like the garlic wonder treatment? Yeah, the garlic yeah. wonder or, or um, grazers do one now for garlic. So it's a garlic, it's an organic way of, of, it doesn't kill the slug or damage it, but the slug doesn't like the taste of garlic. So it's a physical barrier or not a physical barrier, the taste of, of garlic actually dissuades It's, it's a the, deterrent. Yeah, it's a deterrent. Uh, could you make up your own concoction? You could, of course, yeah. You could bo- just boil garlic cloves and make up your own um, syrup and add water to it and spray it on as well. Okay. So if you want an organic well, but most of the slug pellets nowadays are organic anyway by nature, even though they look like the traditional slug pellet, you'll see the organic symbol on okay, them. Okay, so anyway. they have, they have, the, so they're they're, very safe they have the blue colour. But they do. And my advice really, and the reason they're coloured blue is... Deterrent to, 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 to birds, something birds is don't it? see it. Yeah, birds they tell us the birds don't see the color of blue, so they're supposedly invisible to birds. And um, now, having said that, the organic ones are safe anyway around. Oh, so in other words, the birds won't eat it, they won't eat it. Oh, yeah. right, they won't hoover up your but little and often is really which you know, I hate to see people with handfuls of slug bellets thrown around the plant or they do a complete circle <laughs> of, of slug bellets around the plants. Yeah, have you got a camera on my garden? <clears throat> So a little and often, a small amount on a regular basis, that's all you want to do okay. if you're using the organic pellets and th- try the garlic wonder or the liquid garlic as well. As well. Yeah. Now, a couple of hydrangea questions, but I think uh, the different kinds of hydrangeas okay. getting covered here. First of all, um, wondering, will hydrangeas flower again this year if they're pruned now? Yeah, no, so so let's let's be clear, yeah. and, and I probably wasn't clear earlier. So with the traditional mop head hydrangeas that everybody has in their garden, you'll see the old flowering shoots right at the top, the old wither flower is there, you follow those old shoots back to close to ground level and you prune them out. Any shoots that don't, haven't borne flowers last year, you leave enough alone. So you leave them to to grow on. So you're not cutting the whole hydrangea plant back severely. You're just selectively taking out the flowers. You're thinning out, as it were, the branches and you're taking out the shoots that flowered last year and you're giving them a good feed then with a rose feed or a granulated fertiliser to boost them on. And those shoots that you didn't prune or you don't touch, that's where the flowers are going to be born this year. So you're just selectively taking out the old wood that carried the flowers last year and you know those because they'll have the old seed heads or flower heads on them. So go out and thin out those mop head hydrangeas. Okay, now that's the mop head hydrangeas, it right? Is. So, the, the, for want of a better description, the more traditional the variety. Traditional type with a big pink or blue flower. On the other hand, then we have hydrangeas like Pink Annabelle, yeah. which are not the mop head ones. No, they're not. They're, so, this is a different variety. It's in the in what we call the Paniculata family. And Annabelle is a beautiful white flowering variety. Big heads, near the size of a saucer. I think yeah. you have one in your garden. I do, yes. And they are stunning, yeah. absolutely. And I have a similar problem uh, sometimes to this question. So I uh, got the hydrangea pink Annabelle from you last year. It was fabulous. How one, to yeah. prune it now and how mm. to stop the heads from drooping over in the summer and what to feed yeah, it? Yeah, because the, the, the flowers are so heavy. They're so heavy. And yeah. that happened to me last year. Right. They all drooped. Okay. Well, not all, but there was a lot of drooping. Okay, so 
for Annabelle hydrangeas or anything in the Panicchia fa- mm-hmm. family, so varieties like Annabelle, Pink Annabelle, Phantom, Bobo, Vanilla Freeze, you will often hear me talk about those. If you bought those and have them in your garden, you prune them in a completely different way. So you treat them like a rose bush and you cut them within a foot of, of ground level. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's what you're to do with your I've Annabelle. Cut it to, so once it starts to grow then in April and May, yeah. so b- around che- the time of Chelsea, you give it the Chelsea chop. So you take, as it, the new growth grows, you'll feed it, new growth will come on the plant. So it's when it's about 18 inches, maybe two feet high, you take out the top shoots. Right. So with a little shears or a, se- or a secateurs or a scissors, you just prune out the top shoots. And that makes the, the stems a lot stronger. You double the amount of stems you get from the plant and you double the amount of flowers you get as well. The flowers will be slightly smaller, That's but fine. they'll be a lot, you know, lot more numerous and they won't flop. Right. So you'll have a, a nice, So you'll sturdy, have a good, sturdy plant. Yeah, so that's important. And we'll remind listeners of that, that in May when to do that. That's called the Chelsea Chop. And it can be done with a lot of garden plants, particularly plants that flop over like sedums or um, rudbeckia. Plants that grow tall and, and leggy but tend to fall apart then because of their weight. Yeah, because I can see the leaves mm. coming on those pinaculatas. Oh, yeah, the and, and, the will, and, and let yeah. them grow now after the pruning. You see, pruning stimulates plants. Like cutting your hair, it, it kick-starts the... The, the process again and that's really what we do with pruning we yeah. rejuvenate the plants and you double the amount of stems and double the amount of flowers Brilliant. okay now <laughs> we'll just address this but I don't know if we've really got an answer for you um, somebody gave me a tub of white granules for the garden a while ago the label has fallen off so I'm not sure what it is and what to do with it any ideas <laughs> well that's a stranger now. sure that could be anything now in fairness listener that yeah. could be lime <laughs> Uh, it could be fertilizer of all sorts of different types. Maybe if the listener took a picture of it and WhatsApped it into us okay. on 087-900-4141 and, and I'll have a look at it. But also maybe go back and ask the the, uh, the gift giver. Uh, yeah, any what, idea? What Can was, you remember what? what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because obviously, you know, you want to be careful as well, all joking aside, that you don't use, um, you know, you don't put lime on certain plants, dislike lime. Some plants love lime. Uh, but it, you know, and if it's a general fertilizer, uh, it's probably specifically for some, some type of plant. Okay. Somebody wondering, can they um, add grass clippings to the compost heap? I used the zero last Sunday. The lawn is lovely and green, but are the clippings okay to reuse on the compost? Oh, they are because zero is essentially made from, um, it's equestrian iron. It's a particular form of iron that the moss absorbs, but it's per- perfectly safe. There's no, it's not a pesticide. There's nothing dangerous in it. So It's, it's a mineral, for, essentially. It's a mineral, exactly. It's an essential mineral. So what you're adding to your compost tape is essentially iron. So no problem at all. Just trim the the um, grass, put it onto your compost heap, it'll be perfectly fine. Put a little bit of the grotto, if you can get it, uh, the compost activator, that just accelerates the breakdown of, of grass clippings. And also it's a good idea to put in different things like tea bags and shredded paper and other... Eggshells. Eggshells, exactly. Other different material rather than just having grass. Okay. Uh, would ericaceous compost be okay for setting bulbs and flower seeds, asks Helen. Yeah, if you don't have anything else, Helen, and compost is hard to get at the moment because the garden centres are closed. However, I see quite a lot of the forecourts have compost now. So check out your local forecourt. I see in Mul- Mulroy's and Castlebar have, have it at Actually, the Actually, I have seen it. Uh, yeah, so because yeah, so, people have been asking where can we get compost and you won't get it in your local garden centre. Um, so, go, yeah, going back to Helen's question, ericaceous compost is, is essentially compost that doesn't have lime. So it's perfectly safe to use for dahlias or begonias or seeds in general. So yes, if you have it, make sure. We normally... 
uh, reserve it for hydrangeas, or not hydrangeas, but rhododendrons and azaleas and magnolias and all those sort of plants. But no, it's perfectly fine to use. Uh, I just got a magnolia sulangiana. Might be yeah, not pronouncing that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How tall will it get and will it flower this year? Okay, so magnolia sulangiana is a beautiful pink flowering uh, magnolia. It produces flowers not unlike a tulip. They're really kind of upright, beautiful shaped flower, shell pink in colour. It flowers at this time of year and the flower bulbs buds will already be on the plant. So if it's going to flower this year, it should actually be starting to bloom and the, the flower buds should be present. So you'll notice the buds, they're really fat, plump buds on the plant. Um, don't worry if it doesn't flower this year, but it does make quite a large magnolia. So it'll grow anything up to 10 to 15 feet. So it's really a small tree in the garden. So it needs lots of, of space. Um, so you know, and, and you'll also see it from a distance. So it's the type of plant that you can put down at the back of the garden if you want, in, in amongst other plants. So it's going to grow in width, anything up to eight to 10 feet in width, and it's going to grow up to 15 feet in height over time, even with a bit of pruning. Um, so it is a, quite a large magnolia, but and absolutely, it's a, one of the Chinese uh, varieties and it's a superb, beautiful variety. If you want a smaller variety of magnolia, Stellata is quite a nice one. It's a white flowering um, one, or one called Susan. Susan is a, is a very rich purple uh, magnolia. They're beautiful at this time of year. Okay. Uh, now, question on daffodils. Some of my daffodils that flowered every year didn't flower this year. Should I take them up? Oh, no, don't touch them. I mean, daffodils won't, generally don't bloom. Well, uh, you, you could lift them, certainly, if you feel that the clumps are too dense. If they're there for a long time and, they've, you know, they're, they're really thick clumps of green shoots, then by all means, you could dig them up now, split them and transplant them, um, if, you know, to give them more space to develop. Hydran or, uh, daffodils often don't flower as well if they're cut back too early after flowering. So, like I, I said at the start of the programme, this is the time for feeding daffodils and actually building them up for next year. So, you can certainly lift them and split them and divide them and transplant them to give them more space if that's the issue or regular feeding now from now kind of to the end of or to the middle of May and um, will certainly build them up for next year and it builds up the flower bud because that flower bud develops in daffodils in September. Okay great and I have a problem with grass growing up through my alpines also how can I get some flowers from my garden for Easter asks Tom. For Easter, well, Easter is next week, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So, so and we're and we're limited to seed now. You're limited to seed and bulbs at the moment, so it's going to be a difficult one, Tom. Again, maybe check out some of the uh, retailers that are still open. Uh, some of the the supermarkets or the forecourts may have plants as well, um, but but the garden centres certainly are closed anyway. So you'll have a difficulty getting plants for Easter. Uh, the other part of the question was the grass and the alpines. Yeah, sorry. There used to be a, a great um, weed treatment called fuselage that that was able to kill grass amongst plants that's not available anymore so it's really a hands and knees oh. job Tom unfortunately up through your alpines so it's a matter of uh, now la alpines will tolerate being lifted as well but grass growing up through it can be very difficult so I think it's a uh, it's a tedious job of just taking the grass out unfortunately okay all right. Okay. No, no, no quick solution. No there. quick solution no, there. No. Um, I have a baby tomato plant since last year. It's around a foot and a half high. There's no green in the middle of the stem, only on the top and the bottom. Will it change it to another? Will I change it to another pot? And will it fruit again this year? Uh, it did fruit last year. So the tomato plant. Mm. Well, it's unusual to have it uh, through a second year. So so well done. Normally tomatoes are treated as a one year crop. So you you sow the seed now. The plants develop the fruit and and it dies away at the end of the year. Now, you can 
uh, bring them over for a second year but you tend to find that in the second year they're not as productive and they tend to get uh, a bit woody and a bit a bit old for for you know and not as productive so so the, to answer your question yes you could repot it coax it back uh, with new growth it will flower it will produce some fruit but i would also plant some fresh seed or later on as the garden center is open look some for, for some fresh plants as well um so so normally treat tomatoes cucumbers all of those as a as a one-year crop. crop. They tend to be a lot more productive. But just out of, for a novelty, certainly repot it. Keep it indoors at the moment because they are frost-sensitive. And then once the flowers start to bloom and start to set fruit, start feeding it uh, every fortnight with a tomato feed. Okay, great. Somebody wondering what they should do with their strawberries uh, at the moment, Porrick? Well, uh, feeding them, I suppose, is yeah, the question so, mark. So normally with strawberries, after you pick the fruit in late summer, it's always a good idea to cut off the old leaves and runners and kind of tidy up the plants and allow them to regrow because that kind of regenerates the plants. But at this time of year, they're going to be setting their flower buds over the next couple of weeks. So leave them pretty much alone. You could give them a light feed of, again, something like Fostigen or miracle Grow or Osmo liquid feed. Just one feed is enough. Allow them to flower, allow them to fruit and then start liquid feeding them every kind of three weeks so don't overdo the liquid feeds with um, strawberries they actually fruit flower and fruit better with a little bit of neglect um, so you could put a little bit of kind of mulch them up now a little bit of straw maybe around the base of them but apart from that you leave them alone and let them come into flower let the bees do their business and then give them a liquid feed as the fruit starts to develop okay great um somebody was wondering about veggie pod cost and delivery yeah, so veggie pod is the, is the raised bed. Um, it comes in three different sizes, and the um, so in terms of delivery, it's delivered free of charge. Again, DPD uh, are our courier, so they deliver right throughout the country. I sent one to Cork actually yesterday. Um, so so it's delivered free of charge around the country. Just pop onto the website Horkins.ie, put in in the search bar uh, veggie pod. The veggie bags are good as well. If you want to do a kind of a novel project with your kids, and and you know they're and they're, they're about, not as big. They're not as big, and they're only the small one. I think is twenty euros. If you want to grow a few spuds or a few carrots or whatever with the kids, get the veggie bag. It's a great way. Uh, sit it on your patio, put some compost into it, sow some seed or some potatoes into it. You can zip it up then. That keeps all the bugs out, and you just leave it alone. The plants grow 50% faster. Um, I have one in the garden centre that we planted up about four weeks ago and the potatoes are peeping out the top of the veggie wow. bag already. already. And they're, you know, they're up about two feet already in the veggie bag. So um, so I'd say within another, I'd say four or five weeks that we'll be having our first new potatoes. Yeah, and great, I suppose, if people are, obviously, everyone's at home at the at moment. At home, yeah, yeah. So, and people are looking yeah. for projects yeah. like that to do at home or, you know, so. Now, my polytunnel has a lot of small roots under the soil, probably from nearby trees. Anything I can do other than moving the tunnel, which is too big of a job? Well, you can, gr- you can grow, and I tend to do this myself in the tunnel. I grow most of my stuff in containers or, you know, it's amazing what you can grow in pots, containers. So, what I would do, rather than using the soil there or having to move the tunnel, put down some black mypex netting just on the floor of the tunnel mm. and then get yourself some pots, large pots, will grow potatoes, you'll grow anything in them really, window boxes, you'll grow all your salad crops, onions um, and so on. So actually use containers to grow your, your produce in and you don't need an awful lot of stuff as it were for the general household. You know, we tend to grow too much. So tomatoes do brilliantly, for example, in pots. I think it's one of the best ways to grow them. Um, so I would use pots and containers rather than, because otherwise you're just competing with the roots that are there and moving the tunnels is a relatively big job. Uh, but I just find the containers such an easy way to actually grow a wide range of, of cucumbers and 
salad yeah. crops and onions and you name it and growing tubs a couple of questions on carrots um, somebody wondering about carrots that would be good for limey type soil okay. and also somebody else wondering in your experience what is the best carrot type to give the old fashioned thick long carrot I okay. plant to sow them in new ridges of loose soil well two excellent varieties if you want an early carrot one that you can sow at this time of year that would be ready kind of in midsummer early nantes is a really really good variety so you can sow the seed now generally you sow carrots every kind of three to four weeks so that you could get a succession of cropping right throughout the season and generally in a packet of seed you'll have about a thousand seed in any packet so um so early nantes it's a really really good variety it produces lovely clean carrots kind of young carrots in particular and the other one i would sow is one called saint valerie and saint valerie is the old-fashioned uh, carrot that you'd see in the in the old market with the with the soil on it, you mm. know that big long thick carrot, Saint Valerie. It's a really really good variety. So it's a main crop variety. You sow the seed at this time of year and you harvest it kind of late August, September, October, November, and it stores really well uh, in the shed. Or l- like our, our previous listener, you could even leave it in the soil yeah. for several months and it stores really well. So I would sow both early Nantes and Saint Valerie. Okay, from carrots to cabbage. Did we ask about cabbage seed already? Um, sorry, I might have. To you die. talked about. I, I was mentioning about sowing it inside. And yes, sorry. Two of the varieties yeah. to look for: one called Hispe and one called Duncan or Greyhound. They're all three excellent varieties. Now I know we didn't touch on Alstroemerias as yet. Yeah, so a listener lady. has an Alstroemeria appearing over the ground, Great. wondering: is it safe to move it, and can you separate it to make it more? Yes, you can. You and and this this is an excellent uh, time of year for dividing plants. So Alstroemerias is a beautiful uh, perennial plant that flowers every year it dies back in the winter and re-emerges stronger a bit like hostas in a still base this is the time of year to dig them up so physically get out there dig up the entire clump divide into two or three pieces and replant it into other areas of the garden you can do that with your hostas which are a still base the alstroemerias rudbeckia solidago all those perennial flowering plants that come back every year rhubarb for example, you yeah. can dig up your rhubarb now, split it up into three or four pieces and replant it in other areas of the garden. Fantastic. Or give it away to your family or, and friends. Or give it away. Yeah. Uh, or make rhubarb crumble. Crumble, yeah. <laughs> I noticed the bulbs, um, somebody, sorry, they lifted their day lilies yesterday. Okay. I noticed the bulbs had tiny bite marks and weren't fully formed, wondering what pest might have done this. Yeah, well, you'll have a, a, quite a number of pests in the soil. So you've got things like chafter grubs, which are um, the, the young of a beetle. You've got the leather jacket that we talked about earlier. You've got vine weevil and they all tend to be grubs, white or greyish grubs in the soil. And of course they're going to feed on uh, particularly the fleshy roots of, of um, hemerocallus, the daylily. The so, or other plants in your garden as well. Now generally the damage isn't enough to, to actually physically um, damage the plant um, you know, to the degree that it's going to die, mm. unless there's a, a big infestation. So, a small bit of marking, a small bit of munching on the uh, the roots is of no harm whatsoever. So, I would just continue replant them, and and they'll be perfectly fine. So okay. it's quite a vigorous plant anyway and it'll outgrow any pest damage unless it's really, really severe. Right. Now again, if the listener wants to take a picture of it and send it in to us, we'll certainly have a look at it. Yeah. But in my experience, it, it's not necessary to be putting down any pesticides on, on the day lilies. Okay, and just in terms of sending in the photographs, if they can be done before nine, it just gives us a chance to it have does, a look yeah. at them in advance of Because I'm sitting on one on side of the studio yesterday. and you're on the yeah, far so, side so of the studio. We're all so. well separated yeah, here, yeah, so it's yeah. a little more difficult. So uh, those photographs, if we're not getting to a identify things today, um, you might just send them in to us before the nine o'clock mark next week and then we'll definitely be able to address those for you. Pork uh, potatoes and seed potatoes which are available online. Um, 
uh, people wondering do you have potato seeds for roosters or carapinks available um, or will they be coming online at a later stage and also onion sets and garlic bulbs yeah no they're off they, the roosters and carapinks are, are sold out for this year okay. now if you want a good substitute for rooster there's a variety called Sapra Una which is a blight resistant variety it's a red skin potato like um like rooster, and it, it produces lovely flowery potatoes at the end of the summer. So that's Sapra Uno, that's available. Um, Maris Pier is another nice flowery potato. So if you like a, a flowery potato like the Cur Pink or the rooster, Maris Pier, and that's available online as well. So they're two good varieties, Sapra Uno or Maris Pier. Look for those, they'd be good substitutes instead. Okay, great stuff. Uh, just filtering through some of the questions here. I know we've addressed some of these already. My crocuses are finished flowering. When do I dig them out? and what can I put there in place and when do we sow begonias? Okay, well, so you sow the begonias indoors now and so, so plant them up on your windowsills or your greenhouse or whatever and get them kick-started. Remember, they're frost-sensitive, so don't plant begonias out of doors until uh, May and they'll flower for the rest of the, the year then from June onwards. Crocuses generally are left in the soil. Um, they just so- die back? Yeah, yeah. So unless you're... And again, like the daffodil, they, they actually get a little bit longer now at this time of year. It's a good actually idea to give them a bit of a liquid feed to build them up for next year. If you do need to lift them, then certainly you can dig them up and transplant them somewhere else into the garden maybe under trees or whatever but crocus is the type of bulb that it doesn't like to be disturbed so I would generally try to pick a situation where you're not having to lift it if it's in your lawn you can leave the, the mowing of the lawn for another week or two um, and you know allow the crocus to die back properly so if you need to lift them dig them up and transplant them but ideally you want to put them in a, a location that you don't have to be touching them year after year and that allow them to regrow Okay, here's a really interesting one. Somebody grew a plant from store-bought ginger. Oh, yeah. It's about 16 inches high. Yeah. Can I plant it outside in a container after the frost is over or do I put it into a shed for winter? Well, you can, you can. so first of all, ginger will grow out of doors wow. and it'll grow from the root. Now, normally when you buy the root in the local greengrocer, it tends to be shriveled and... and um, it's a bit dried out, yeah. A bit dried out. And it's a good idea to soak it overnight in a bit of warm water just to plump it up again before planting it. But you can simply cut up pieces of ginger, put them into pots or containers, have them inside and they start to sprout, like the listener has said, and then you can plant them out of doors in uh, any time from kind of May onwards. They'll grow about three feet high the stems a bit like asparagus right. kind of long thin stems yeah and uh, they'll produce a root like you see the so ginger, the ginger root. root is what you're buying in the store that's what you're buying it? and that'll yeah. be ready to harvest in September of this coming year so you can have a little ginger crop I just always thought patch. that it was one of those very exotic no, things no, no, that no, you no, couldn't possibly grow, get it'll grow perfectly well now it's generally grown in warmer climates, climates than yeah. here and, okay. and you may not get as, as big and a plump a, a root but certainly it grows perfectly fine. Anytime from kind of May onwards you can plant them outside but start them off. Now, they're a rhizome at the end of the day. It's like an iris rhizome. It's a, you know, it's a swollen root that you're actually eating. Yeah. Like, a, like, the, like a tuber, dahlia tuber or any tuber. It's a what we call a rhizome so it's actually a kind of a root and a stem combined. Combined, okay. Yeah, so all you need is a piece maybe two inches long to grow it. Um... Now, uh, somebody wondering about cleaning all the winter leaves and muck from the bottom of the pond. How do we go about it or would you have any tips? Well, it's just a bit of hard work, I'd say. Yeah, well, generally, um, you know, generally some some ponds will actually have soil in the base of them if you want to actually grow uh, pond lilies or, you know, deep water aquatics. Um, So the odd bit of leaf litter isn't any harm. You can, when your garden centre opens or maybe online, get a pond net that, again, you can use to scoop up the 
uh, dead leaves and kind of any debris that's in the um, so it's a fine net a bit like a fishing net but very very fine and use that to actually uh, take up any dead leaves any debris that might be there so that's probably the best way good idea as well is to take about a third of the water out of the pond at this time of year and top that up with fresh water as well okay great uh, now somebody wondering any ideas for lifting an oak tree planted by my granddaughter some years ago it's close to the house she planted an acorn just to see what would happen oh interesting fabulous yeah 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 so again it's kind of on the you could still lift it it would want to be done this week ideally the oak should be lifted kind of any time from November through, through to the end of March now the spring is late this year so they still haven't broken bud and uh, if you if you lifted the oak at this time of year it would be perfectly fine so what you do is you simply come out from the main stem at least 18 inches maybe 2 feet with a sharp spade cut the roots lift the oak and replant it in the, at the same level into a new piece of ground now remember oaks make a big tree so they pick do. the location and um, stake it securely put it down at the same level and it'll be perfectly fine brilliant um I, I've I've a cherries on ice in a pot. Yeah, I stored it in a shed over the winter behind a glass window. There's no sign of growth. Did it not survive the winter? It probably hasn't. That's a variety of Nemesia. Nemesia, um, cherries on fire. It's a lovely variety. It's got a very rich red and kind of white. Uh, you know, kind of a two-tone colour, but a lovely blood-red colour. And Nemesia flower right through to the end of the summer. But they are tender. Uh, they are tender perennials, which means that any bit of cold weather will actually kill them off. And so they're, what I normally do with Nemesia is I take cuttings. Say cutting, so I treat them like a geranium plant. I take the young cuttings and I overwinter them. I actually overwinter them in the veggie pod this year, and they did very well. Um, so uh, if there's signs, if there's no, if there's no sign of growth, then I think you may have lost um, your nemesia right. and, and started off again. But this this summer, take some cuttings around August, and they tend to overwinter a lot easier. Uh, and and uh, and let the let the mother plant die away. Okay, I noticed a couple of questions in about when people are wondering about the prices of veggie pods, but they vary because there's different sizes. There's three different sizes, and they're online. They're online. If you go onto the onto Horkinstally, you'll see them all. You'll see the veggie bags and the veggie uh, pods. Okay, very quickly, one or two more. A holly hedge has lost its leaves the past few months. Will it recover? Oh, well, it depends how much it has lost. That's that's unusual for hollies to uh, like. They are an evergreen plant, and like all evergreen plants, they lose lose a certain amount of their leaves um, if there's more than a third of the leaves gone then there's there's something affecting that uh, holly it could be disease it could be a disease problem or it could be a pest problem again maybe if the listener took a picture of it and whatsapped it into us here 087 900 41 41 I'll look at it during the weekend and we can answer it next week but just to see or if there was any root disturbance to the particular plant or if the area got excessively wet Holly's dislike that as well so there's something up with the plant it shouldn't be dropping more than a third of its leaves Okay great and somebody wondering about uh, how complex is it to put in a glass house uh, they're thinking of buying one is it easy to set up and how do we prepare it for planting Yeah well they're, they're relatively easy I mean you need somebody that that will obviously have a a handyman as yeah, it were. Yeah, you'll probably need <laughs> yeah. help in furnace. A handyman and um, yeah, once they're set up and they're secured and, and try to pick a sunny, sheltered area for your greenhouse, you can grow so much stuff in them. I, I think they're great really. Um, you know, my dad has one in the back of his garden and he uses it all the time for sowing seed and taking cuttings and putting in his tomatoes and even on a wet, miserable day, you can go out and you sit in it. <laughs> yeah, and you're out there and, you're, and, and it's a little bit 
warmth. It's somewhere to go. It's like a man cave. It's yeah. somewhere for us to hide. <laughs> okay. On that note, we have to leave it there, Porik. I'm afraid we're out of time. Apologies if we didn't get to your question, but hopefully maybe next week on the programme. All going well. Thanks a million, dear. All right. And mind yourself, Porik, and to all in Porkins. Stay safe and thanks for all that you're doing for everybody uh, in terms of getting us out into the garden with the information, advice and everything else. That's it uh, from me for this morning. Michael Neary coming your way next uh, with uh, Country uh, Classics back again next Saturday. All going well. Until then, mind yourselves.